Foreigner Speaking, a monthly podcast on the spoken word. Episode number 61, February 2023. Irish, a language in danger. A conversation with Malachi O'Neill. Hello, Paul Meyer here. My projects this past month have been beautifully varied. A new Shakespeare original pronunciation project. Coaching a new production of Sense and Sensibility. Prepping an Eastern European actor client for a big American accent role in a new film. I love the variety of work that my practice entails. But, as you may have guessed, In a Manner of Speaking is one of my favourite projects, of course. And, as usual, let's begin with our quiz. Guess that accent. Last time I played this clip from the International Dialects of English Archive, Idea, and challenged you to say where on the planet the speaker grew up. I don't know, your your parents have this feeling that even if you are 60, your parents, if they are alive anyway, you are still a child for them. You never grow up. You are always a child. And they would say, oh, my child and my child, and you are always a child. So what do you think? If you guessed Cyprus, I'm very impressed. It was Ideas Cyprus 2, contributed by Ideas Senior Editor Eric Armstrong and transcribed by Lloyd Bolick. Thanks again, gents. The subject was born in Nicosia. For the whole recording, go to the Dialect and Accents tab on the menu bar of dialectsarchive.com and drill down to Cyprus on the Europe page. Now, this month's challenge. Where did the speaker spend her formative years? And I work with three counts. Xerox, Marlboro, the cigarettes, and... Coca-Cola. So I make, you know, I do the media. What is the media department? Do their everything on the newspaper, everything on the commercials, movie, everything. Get the answer next time. My guest today is Professor Malachi O'Neill, a guardian of the Irish language, now listed as endangered. When I learned that, I thought my listeners will want to know all about this topic. So let's enjoy together learning about this ancient and beautiful tongue. Welcome, Professor O'Neill. Thank you very much. First, let's let's hear a little Irish. Do you have something you could read to us in Irish? I can read a short extract from one of the uh, the major novels of the 20th century in Irish, which was uh, An Drum War, or The Big Drum. Great. Adar Shliu agus Cladach o Erdis Gamalan War at Hageltag Hirchanal Maravechi Kasmerch Lefientus Nafariga Mora. Show me file Agus Kra er na Kladi Hirna. Show me Kulam Agus Gag onto the Hirdeva and Korakshin, Ahashi, Solidanic Parhalan, Ghanish Seawar, Shah Agus Solidanic Blienta, Naleha Honotin, as Bryn Hien Kyoch Nahamshara. That's great. So, Irish, it's a beautiful language. Endangered? Oh, tell me it isn't so. You know, it's still termed endangered by many, but those of us who are members of the, the Irish speaking community have, I suppose, witnessed, but have also driven a huge resurgence in the Irish language and its, and its usage and the, the prolific nature of its publications and its presence in both print and, uh, and, and social media over the past century, I suppose, and particularly in the past 20, 30 years. When I went to, to post primary school or, or high school, as you might term it, as an 11 year old, I didn't speak any Irish at all whatsoever, mm, mm. but I was I was fortunate to have an incredibly 
gifted and influential Irish language professor. He shared with me not to, not only the, the excellence that he had, had acquired in, in the Irish language himself, but also that that passion that's pivotal in, in the career of any linguist. It's undergone major resurgence in the past few decades, particularly in the north of the island. And obviously, culture is was once one of the, the things that divided us in this part of the world. And, mm. and, and now culture and language and the way it pertains to identity um, has become a strong strand of reconciliation. Good. Well, I, I hear some optimism and confidence. And, uh, and, and of course, you're uh, at the sharp end of the uh, of the weapon that's uh, getting this job done. Let's talk a little bit about endangered languages, a little. It's it's not a topic we've yet addressed in this podcast. I learned that of the six to 7,000 languages spoken in the world today, half of them, maybe more, will be severely endangered or dead by the end of the century. That's astonishing. It's incredible. And I, I suppose, um, you know, we could start with globalization and the uh, prolific nature of English or American, if you like, in the the languages of the world. I think back to, as a teenager going off to rural, isolated, seaboard-based communities in places like County Donegal, where the Irish language survived amongst them, a monolingual community. And I was probably privileged to witness mm. the last generation of monoglots in that community. It surprised me that even though English was very much the language of the television set in the corner, Irish was very much the language of the home. It surprised me most when my mother came to visit and came bearing gifts for the, the lady of the house or the, the banatee as she was known. And she struggled. She, she, she couldn't hold a conversation in English. So it was a startling experience for me to, to see that English was part and parcel of her day. You know, she, she watched the soap operas and the dramas that were beamed into her living room from Great Britain and, and further afield and was able to follow those. But Irish remained her singular language. That's probably the last generation of the, the monoglot Irish speaker. We talk a lot about language death. <laughs> when was Irish born exactly? Irish is a Celtic language. Its roots obviously are in the, in the European family of languages. It has written sources going back to the 8th century. It's a source of much fascination. Going back before the written, uh, the advent of the writing, when was the language born as a spoken language? Much has been written about the arrival of the Celts. It's certainly well into the pre-Christian era. It's believed that the Irish language arrived in that pre-Christian period. So we're, we're looking at a language that's been in a state of development and flux on this island, at least, for some 2,000 years. Yep. I know Irish is closely related to Scottish, Manx from the Isle of Man, Welsh, Cornish, yes. and, and Breton. Forgive my ignorance, but are these languages mutually intelligible? There are significant strands and aspects of each of these languages that, that are common and are, are mutually intelligible. So, for example, you'll find aspects of Irish how it's, how it's spoken in the northern province of Ulster is incredibly close to Scottish Gaelic which is only a, a few short miles across the sea to Scotland. And, and the Irish and the Scottish have been seafaring people for at least a couple of thousand years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not surprising that we find shared heritage and, and, and shared identity and, and language as a key part of that. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in deep southern Ireland, if you'd like to inquire as to the how someone is feeling or, or how their health is, you might say to them, conus atatu. Whereas in Ulster Irish, we replace the conus with a kajemar and we say kajemar atatu. Our Scottish neighbours say Kimarahahu. So you go from Kijemaratatu in Ireland to Kimarahahu in Scotland. 
So there's a very close relationship, clearly, that linguistic structure and, and, and indeed in the vocabulary used therein. So a speaker of that northern brand of Irish, that the Ulster dialect, would, would have little or no problem conversing and certainly comprehending a good speaker of Scottish Gaelic. I'm sure there are many dialects, geographically <coughs> dispersed dialects of Irish on the island of Ireland. There are three major dialects. The Ulster dialect is obviously the one that, that I've grown up with and is based on my location in the northern part of the of the island. The southern half, we have the Munster. It's, it's again, it's provincially based. And then in, in and around the city of Galway and, and Connemara, we have the Connacht dialect. The major conurbation in Ireland is, of course, Dublin. Irish, as it's spoken in the island's capital, is usually a, a mixed bag of the, those three dialects, primarily influenced by the Munster dialect. Mm. How recently was Irish still the first language of Irish people? English arrived on this island in the 12th century with the arrival of the Anglo-Normans. It was uh, a number of centuries before the plantation of various quarters of the island brought with it that linguistic change that has, has, has led to, to Irish becoming the minority language and, and, and English being significantly the language of the majority. The plantation of, of Ulster, for example, kicks off in and around the start of the 17th century. But even up until probably the Great Famine of the mid-19th century, which of course brought so many people from this part of the world to your part of the world mm -hmm. and brought with them the Irish language in, in many, many cases, it's really in the middle of that 19th century that you witness that major shift from Irish to English in, in terms of majority language. Yes. One of my favorite projects was dialect coaching Brian Friel's translations, the uh, the story of the English attempt to eradicate Irish. What, what, a, yeah. what a disgraceful period that yeah. was. Friel's work is very close to my own heart. It's very close to my own discipline uh, as well. It's, it's probably one of the reasons that I pursued a, an academic career in literature and, and, and in Irish specifically. The play you refer to, Translations, captures brilliantly that period in the mid to late 19th century when you have English military officers as part of the Ordnance Survey actually mapping the island and doing so enforcing English names on what had been previously the Irish or the Gaelic original names of places. Yeah, I was hugely fascinated by that play and thought there's there's surely no way, no, no cleverer way to eradicate a culture than to... Uh, ban the use of the language and to change the place names. It's interesting you, you mentioned to ban the use of the language because Irish was outlawed as a language, not only for education, but also for doing business with government. It was outlawed in the legal system. And it's it's actually only in, in recent years that's been redressed and, and hasn't fully yet been redressed in the northern part of the island. I actually was appointed by the Northern Ireland Assembly to sit on a panel of experts to make recommendations for a new Irish language strategy. The first Irish language governmental strategy for this part of the world only in the past couple of years. And again, that's part of the outworkings of the Good Friday Agreement, the, the Peace Accord, uh, which was reached in 1998. Yeah. Let's talk about global Gaelic, the Irish Diaspora. There's a huge yeah. expat Irish population in the US. More than 20% of Boston's population have their roots in Ireland. Yeah. About yeah. 5 million Irish came to the US from 1840 to World War One. I, I read. Uh, were there, in fact, US communities where Irish was, in fact, the first language or the only language? Certainly, and there still are. 
and I have the good fortune to visit Boston on university basis once a year each, each November for a, a conference known as Golden Bridges, which essentially uh, highlights the link between Massachusetts more broadly and the, the northwest corner of Ireland. And of course, we have the, the huge legacy of Irish Americans like Tip O'Neill. A number of years ago, when a friend of mine moved to, to Boston, he couldn't believe it when he found Irish to be the majority language of the hostelries in, in Boston, where he spent a lot of time each evening. Communication and communication in one's own native tongue is an incredibly powerful device, particularly when you're on the other side of the world. Yeah. I hear your kids in the background. I assume that your kids, are they uh, equally at home in Irish and English? We have a bilingual household for now anyway, hopefully a, a trilingual household going forward and, and, and many, many more languages. Languages have all but disappeared from our central curriculum, the, oh. the, the STEM agenda, the, the science, technology, engineering and maths agenda of government, both in Ireland and in the UK, has driven students away from languages and away from language learning. It doesn't surprise me when we we see some of the kind of insular take on, on politics um, mm-hmm. that we have at times in, in this part of the world. And uh, I think if that was revisited and there was a better understanding of the value of languages and its role in the curricula of our schools, both north and south in the, in the Irish context and right across these islands, I think we would have a much more open take on the world globally. If you think of the way in which Britain has elected to leave the European Union in recent years, that might be considered in a context where fewer and fewer young people are studying European languages. By removing languages from our curricula, we're also removing that insight into the peoples, the the customs of other parts of the world. Invariably, that kind of lack of understanding can lead to anxiety and can lead to a closed-door policy in the rest of the world, and that's not the kind of forward-thinking people we are. No. I mean, if we truly want to embrace diversity, then it would be diversity of cultures, including all of these language adventures that you're talking about and studying abroad, all of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's some incredibly pioneering work going on, particularly in in our own Irish language community. In this part of the world, we have folks from a non-traditional Irish background, be that people who come from a traditionally unionist or loyalist background whose identity would pertain to Great Britain more so than to the Emerald Isle, embracing Irish and embracing the shared heritage that we have in this part of the world in linguistic terms, but also the new Irish folks that have immigrated to Ireland from all over the world, whether it be folks that have ended up in this part of the world fleeing the war in Ukraine are simply looking for a better way of life from what they have in their, in their own homeland in the same way as many, many Irish across the Atlantic in the, in the past couple of hundred years yes, to, yes. to find something similar in the States. It's really heartening to find non-natives to the island of Ireland actually in an Irish language learning context. My wife teaches in a primary school and she has many uh, young people whose origins are Eastern European, they have embraced Irish as part of their acclimatization process Mm. into their new world. And by embracing the language, they've found a new school community, but they've also found a new social community. So they've they've found a world in which Irish language aligns with Gaelic sports and music and poetry and Mm. um, and Irish dance, of course, that's been made so famous since the days of Riverdance. Yes, yes. 
Well, I'm hearing a, a really hopeful note in your voice, Malachi, and uh, I think you have great hopes for the renaissance of the Irish language. Yeah, I think we've been on a journey as a language community, but I think we've learned much as part of that voyage. I feel come through the, the hard times in linguistic terms. We've embraced new technology fully, and that's been invaluable in, in ensuring that evolution of the language has gained pace. In, in recent years, and it's remained relevant on the global stage. And it's been recognized, for example, as an official language of the European Union in recent years, which has afforded it a kind of international status mm -hmm. that also enables employment with many, many jobs in translation and interpreting for graduates, which in turn facilitates travel and global experiences mm -hmm. that one mightn't anticipate with a career in your own indigenous language. Well, on that hopeful note, Dr. Malachi O'Neill, thank you very much for joining me here on In a Manner of Speaking. Thanks very much, Paul. And thanks to you for joining me, Paul Meyer, and my guest, Malachi O'Neill. To learn more about him and the issue of the Irish language, look for the free extra content found only on my website. Go to paulmeyer.com, choose In a Manner of Speaking from the Other Services tab on the menu bar, and click on Episode 61. Email me with your comments and questions, paul at paulmeyer.com. And don't forget to follow Paul Meyer Dialect Services on Facebook. Join me next time when our topic is fast talkers. Who holds the world record as the fastest talker? How fast was it? How close to that speed can you speak? Find out next time on In a Manner of Speaking.